Osweiler in trouble. Osweiler brought down Khalil Mack. Oh, here comes Bosa. Whistle without a helmet. J.J. Watt will always put his fingerprints on a game. Steps up, and he's going to be hit from the side, and he's going down. That's a sack. Darius Leonard, the maniac. All right, everybody, welcome to the Trench Warfare Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Thorne, and it's been a while since I've done one of these, but I have a great guest to kind of you know, start things off again, and I'm going to welcome to the show Chargers right tackle, Brian Bulaga. Uh, he's a guy who I've been watching for the last several years very closely as I've watched offensive line play, and I think he's definitely one of the more underrated players offensive lineman in the NFL, certainly a right tackle. And, uh, you know, I'm just excited to talk to him. And uh, Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you for doing this. My pleasure. I appreciate you uh, having me on to talk a little ball. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I've been watching you since really 2016, um, a little bit in 2015, but that's kind of when I started to get into all this and football and focusing on offensive line. Um, so, you know, the 2016 season, uh, I thought you were maybe the best right tackle in football that year. You started 16 games, and I feel like you kind of got snubbed a little bit with, I mean, you know, Pro Bowl, All-Pro. I don't think you've made a Pro Bowl or All-Pro team yet, which is crazy. Is it? Is that right? That is correct, yeah. I've never uh, never made one, never been an alternate, never even been second team All-Pro. So it's been uh, – it's, it's – uh, it's a head scratcher a little bit, but you know, that's the way these things go. And, you know, I just put my head down, just keep working and maybe one day it'll work out, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, we, we know, I think, and I've learned that a lot of mainstream analysis of offensive line play can be off, uh, quite a bit. And I think we see that here and there every year, but yeah, I, you know, guys like you sometimes slip through the cracks, uh, as far as getting that national recognition, which, is unfortunate, but at the same time, I'm, you know, makes me kind of proud of what I do and try to, you know, build my platform a little bit and, you know, get names out there and get film out there of guys who are doing it at a high level. And you certainly have, and uh, your, your career is, is really, really a, such an impressive one when you look at it. I mean, you were a first round pick coming in, you know, pick 23 in 2010, and that was a special season. I mean, you guys wound up going to the Super Bowl. You were the youngest player to start in a Super Bowl, I believe, at 21, and you were the Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year the year before at Iowa. So, like, you came into the league highly touted, and it, you know, right away you kind of, you know, got got to be a part of a great offensive line room and a great team and won the Super Bowl. So, could you just talk a little bit about how that went for you and just like what you remember most about it? Yeah, I mean that whole um, pretty much that whole year leading from you know, the January bowl game against Georgia tech, the orange bowl that we were in, we beat Georgia tech and then, um, getting on an airplane, flying out to Scottsdale to start training for the combine. Um, and then you're obviously getting picked 23rd by the Packers going to green Bay, uh, went to a place that, you know, I had no idea that they were interested in me or, uh, yeah, no clue that I would have ended up there, but I did. And um, I think it it was probably the best place I could have ended up at the time. I mean, I 
I was able to go into an offensive line room and learn from two really, really, really good tackles and Chad Clifton and Mark Tauscher, um, two guys that, you know, played for a long time and both played at a high level. And uh, Mark got hurt, I think, in the third game of the season, and they put me in there at right tackle. And, uh, you know, I had my ups and downs because I'd never played right tackle. I never played right tackle in high school, never did it in college and I never did it uh in training camp that year leading up to that I've always been at le- I'd always been at left tackle so uh my first reps in a game at right tackle were versus uh Brian Arakpo in Washington which was uh you know which uh yeah I mean that's an eye opener in the league is is welcome to the league here's Brian Arakpo you know screaming off the edge uh so you know it it was um it, it, it was a wild year. And then obviously, you know, you, you, you take in the account what we did that season and, uh, you know, we'd win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game. And, and we barely snuck into the playoffs and, and then we got hot right at the right time and, and, and made a, made a amazing run all the way to the Super Bowl and won it. And it was probably, you know, that whole year, you know what I mean? From January till the following February was such a, whirlwind of things that had happened and, and new milestones and and kind of you know it, it was just a wild time and finally after the season and you were able to you know I was able to sit down and, and take a breath and take in what had just happened over the last year and um, I mean it was it was amazing it really was yeah that sounds like it and I was looking at just some of the guys that you faced off against, uh, I think that season, but just kind of in general early on in your career, uh, Julius Peppers was in the division, I believe, um, at the time, uh, among other guys across the league. I don't know if you really got to see a guy like John Abraham. I know he was one of the top guys, you know, Robert Matthews. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We went again. I went against John Abraham, uh, twice because we played him in the regular season. And then we also played him in the divisional round in the playoffs. We went out to Atlanta where we beat him there. Um, and I had to go against him and, uh, Croy Beerman. I don't know if you remember that name, but Atlanta, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he was uh, a really solid player for him. Uh, kind of in that time when Abraham was there, but John Abraham was a, uh, a special talent. He was a special talent. Uh, during that playoffs game, he spent a lot of time over uh, Chad uh, Clifton, actually. I mean, I, I saw him a lot more in the regular season game, and then in the playoffs game, he spent a lot of time over Chad. Uh, and that was the game that I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers uh, had one bad play. Um, I, he, he completed almost every ball. Uh, if, you know, if, if we were in scat protection and they brought six, somehow he would – been out of the six free rusher and throw a dime 20 yards downfield. I mean, it was probably, um, I, I've been a part of a lot of impressive Aaron Rodgers games. Um, and that one probably was about the most impressive thing I've seen, uh, from a quarterback, because it, if you go back and watch that game, what he did was ridiculous. It really was. So that's the regular season game against Atlanta. No, the playoff one. The playoff, playoff game. game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna have to to go back and and check that out for sure. Um, I think you would you would enjoy watching that because it was it was nuts. I mean, the guy, it it it, it was like, I mean, the the balls he was completing and 
spinning out of sacks, getting away from John Abraham. Like, it was just, it was ridiculous. It really was. I mean, it was special. So, you know, I guess we could just kind of, you know, piggyback off that because I think it's really interesting uh, just watching offensive line, you know, as much as I do and just kind of learning as I go over these last few years. One of the things that I've realized is how important and relevant quarterback play is to, you know, offensive line play and, and, you know, pass protection obviously being the main area and just, you know, how long a quarterback holds it and how consistent he is as far as his depth and stuff like that and um, just his ability to create or, you know, not and, you know, that kind of stuff and just how it, you know, you and what you're doing and what he's doing, you know, just play off each other so much and, you know, you pass protecting for Aaron Rodgers uh, your whole career um, is is very different, uh, I think, than a lot of other guys' experiences pass protecting across the league uh, for different quarterbacks. So, like, as far as that goes, I mean, I know he, like you said, so there's many games where he just, you know, can make guys miss and extend plays and do these incredible things. But there's also a lot of other times where, you know, he kind of sits back there, you know, at least the last few years that I've been watching and, you know, kind of surveys the field, uh, you know, for quite a bit of time and, you know, maybe makes things a little bit harder on you. So I know there's that balance there, but can you talk a little bit about that? Like, like, preparing for a game, does that ever get brought up or is that just kind of part of the deal when you're pass protecting for Aaron Rodgers? You just kind of expect that. Well, yeah, I mean, I, and I'll take it all the way back to my rookie year. Um, you know, coming from Iowa, you know, we were a pro style offense, um, but we ran the ball a lot at Iowa. That was kind of the main thing. Kirk Ferentz, tremendous teacher of offensive line play and, and, you know, we, we ran the football, but we ran a pro style, you know, system in the past game and um, the quarterback depth and, you know, the release of the ball. And uh, so w- w- when I got to Green Bay and I finally started blocking for Aaron Rodgers and, and kind of seeing the way he operates, uh, I didn't really know what I was, you know, I, I didn't know anything about anything as a rookie. Uh, I was just out there. I was blocking and whether or not he was holding on to the ball or where he was in the pocket, I had no idea. But as my career moved on, uh, right. And you're watching more film and you're, and you're diving into seeing, you know, other, and you're watching other offensive linemen and the quarterbacks they're protecting for and, and the way that their quarterback, you know, is in the pocket and the timing of the routes and things of that nature. Um, you know, obviously, we have these conversations in our offensive line room with, you know, I mean, I had, a, you know, I, I've been fortunate to um, have played with some really good football players from TJ Lang to Stitton to Corey Lindsley, Scott Wells, Cliffy Tausch, you know, Bakhtiari, all these guys. And, you know, um, and we, the conversation would get brought up is man, like, you know, is is he holding on to the ball a little bit longer or is that just, you know, or are we not thinking about this? And yeah, I mean, there are times where Aaron will hold on to the ball. I mean, he is, he is very uh, conscious about turnovers. He does not like turning the football over. And I, I mean, that's a really good thing, obviously for a quarterback is to not throw picks and not uh, turn the ball over. But then on the flip side of that, for the offensive lineman, as, as you were just saying, um, it puts a little bit more stress on our plate, um, holding, holding up in pass protection for four and a half, five seconds, um, is, is something that, you know, 
I've just become accustomed to over my 10 years. Uh, it's something that's uh, become normal to me. Um, and it, it, it may, um, it may look different to people watching it, but us up front, uh, we get accustomed to it. And it's something that, um, when rookies come in or new guys come in, it takes them a little while to adjust to what's going on because they're not used to it. Right. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not the way it is league wide or the average from snap to release. It's not the same in green Bay. Um, to me personally, it's a bit, that's been my normal, right? And uh, obviously what Aaron can do when he has the ball in his hands longer is, is lethal. And, and that's what makes him um, so special. So up front, we know in our mind and what, I mean, the way we were taught by Coach Campen is you, you, you give him literally as long as it takes because what he can do on extended plays and while he's moving in the pocket, um, is special. And, you know, obviously over 10 years, that has been the case. I mean, there's been a lot of, a lot of special things that have happened from him and that right arm when he gets in the pocket for four seconds, five seconds. Um, and, and what he does, I feel different. Now you're starting to see it a little bit more from, you know, obviously Mahomes and, you know, Lamar Jackson, the way they move around in the pocket and do things. Um, but Aaron's, I feel like his depth and, you know, where he was touching and stepping up and not, you know, Aaron would get to a depth, I think, because of how smart he was um, and, and how he's a feel player. And he would get to a depth in the pocket where he felt comfortable and, and, and where he wanted to be and where in his head, the timing of his route, you know, the route would match up to where he was hitting and releasing. Uh, Aaron was never a, big step up guy in the pocket um you know there'd be times where he would tell us hey you know run this guy up high and wide i'm getting out of the b gap or or get beat inside i'm gonna roll out like these are things that you know he has conversations with us um linemen you know during the week or even right before the play these are things that um you know that get discussed and with him uh, he has all these things planned out in his mind and how he wants to do things. And, and I mean, that's just the type of special talent he is, but, but also like, a, I'm going to go to the flip side on that. Sometimes you're not totally sure of where he could be in the pocket or how deep he could be in, a, in the pocket. So for a five-step drop, you know, he could potentially be at uh, 10 or 11 yards, or he could be at, you know, nine yards. You're, it, it, it's always a little bit of um, a little bit of a gamble as your as your password thing. Obviously, we know seven step drop. He's going to be back there deep. Um, but it was just those basic, you know, five steppers where you know just you know basic route or basic protection. And sometimes he'd be a little bit deeper. Sometimes he'd be further up. And um, yeah, it, it, it was tough adjusting to that as a young guy um, and figuring out. Because, you know, as a young player, I'm trying to study depths and, you know, how many steps he's taken and, and where he's, la- you know, stepping up to and launching. And, uh, you know, I learned early from, like, Cliffy and Tausch and Sitton and those guys, like, hey, man, just block. Where he's going to be, you know, most of us don't know. But stay on your guys, stay in front of him. And uh, if he holds the ball for long, chances chances are he's either making a play or he's going to make us right um, because he knows. 
you know, once he holds that ball for so much time, a lot, you know, there's a chance that the defender is going to get off of us. And, um, but at the same time, you know, that's all I know. Right. So like, I, I, I can't sit here and say that it's the right way or the wrong way, but it's the only way I know. Um, and, and I think, you know, now that I'm going to a new place and with a new quarterback, which I don't, you know, it could be Tyrod Taylor, it could be, you know, who knows who. Um, but I know for a fact that that time clock in my head um, and the way I've been pass protecting for Aaron for the last 10 years is going to pay dividends um, because I know I'm able to sustain blocks for a certain amount of time and, and, and do things that not a lot of other offensive linemen in the league are called upon to do. Um, so I, I look at it as a strength that I have. Yeah, it's stressful at times and it does, it does, um, it, it could at times make us up front um, look like we can't do our job well. And that's, you know, that's to an outside opinion. That is what it is. But um, I'll tell you this much over the last 10 years, I wouldn't have traded it for anything. Um, the way um, we were taught and the way that Aaron operates, I wouldn't have traded it for anything because I'll tell you what, it, it, it's made me a better player protecting for him you you already have to be because he's one of the best in the league if not one of the best of all time um but the way he plays um makes you as a player better because you know hey i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to do my job for that extra second second and a half or, or create some extra space for him so um over the last 10 years man it's it's been uh it's been fun and i've enjoyed it, it i mean it makes you a better player yeah for sure that everything you just said the context there you know as far as Rodgers telling you maybe a play before or in the game planning leading up to a game you know get beat inside or you know run this guy up the arc let me escape inside of you that like all that kind of stuff is you know I think if you watch really enough film from an outside perspective you can like if you know a guy doesn't really get beat inside and then a game you know all of a sudden he's kind of getting beat inside multiple times maybe there could be an inkling of like okay yeah maybe that's just part of the game plan but even then even if you watch a lot from the outside there's going to be stuff that you miss obviously so like that's why I don't you know ever try to grade offensive linemen just because you know that it's you know kind of impossible to to really do it at a high high level uh, from the outside. I just more so look at traits and just try to scout. You know, uh, you know from that perspective. Um, and what you said, I think, is a kind of a, a good reason why uh, there because there's just some weeks. You know, it, it kind of varies by week, I guess, by opponent, by you know, and then when you play for a quarterback with as much autonomy uh, as Rodgers has. Um, yeah, that can really just throw a lot of variables out there that, you know, we just, as people from the outside, just can't really account for all the time. But I think that stuff is fascinating and it really, you know, just pointing it out, um, and just everything you said, I think, you know, should help people appreciate the Packers offensive line lately, uh, or really since Rogers has been there because the job has been a little bit harder than, than most other places, you know? So I don't know. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, and don't get me wrong. While, yeah, it does make, you know, our job tougher at times. I mean, there's a lot of times where um, if we get beat, Aaron has bailed us out. Like I yeah. said, getting out of tasks or, or stepping out of things. So um, his talent and what he's able to do, yeah, it makes our job easier at times and it sometimes makes our job harder. And I think that's the give and take when you play – 
for Aaron and you're blocking for him, you understand you're going to get a little bit of both. Um, and for me personally, you know, I've, I've, you know, there's been more times than not that, um, while I have been like, man, uh, you know, I didn't know he was even there in the pocket or I didn't know he was that deep or I didn't know he had the ball still or, you know, w- whatever it is, there's more times that I would have been like, man, that was ridiculous how he got out of that or wow, that's, that's pretty special, you know, and, you know, so there's been more of that than the other way. But um, like you said, there's, there's more to it than just um, putting on the tape and watching us protect for Aaron and be like, Oh, he got beat or, Oh man, why, why no no idea why the tackle overset that DN like that. What's he doing? What's he thinking? Or or anything like that. Or why did he drop that right hip so early and or for Dave the left hip so early and, and try to run him upfield like he didn't have to do that. There's always things that um that we're thinking when you're blocking for Aaron than just the basic, hey, you know, set punch, mirror, you know, there's there's more to it than that. Um, obviously there's times where we get beat and, you know, you can tell when a guy gets clean beat, it's very obvious. And, uh, you know, that's happened over my 10 years. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> I mean, that's the way that goes. Um, but, uh, there is a lot more to it than what people may think, um, that we do up front and what Aaron tells us to do up front. And, uh, that's, that's, what's been, um, for me, you know, special over the last 10 years is those conversations that uh, we have with Aaron and what he wants and what he expects. And, and when it comes onto the field and, and, it, and it works and, you know, everything that he thought of works out exactly the way that he wanted to. And, and the way we set up a pass rusher to do something and they do it and Aaron plays off of it. I mean, it's, I mean, it's been fun. I mean, it really has been. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, playing with one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, uh, you know, there's going to be, I'm sure a lot of times where, like you said, he kind of makes you right when you may have been wrong or lost a rep or whatever. And yeah, the give and take there is, you know, really interesting. And I think it's, it's just cool to hear you talk about it. I'm sure people will appreciate it and uh, just maybe learn something as well in the process. Cause I know I am. And, you know, that's why I wanted to have you on, uh, of course, cause uh, it, just really helps, uh, you know, kind of, you know, give a new meaning to, you know, kind of that relationship between offensive linemen and quarterbacks. Um, and, you know, kind of the thing I wanted to talk about a little bit next, and it's just a little bit more of a nuanced thing is like your specific technique, um, you know, and I guess maybe versus a guy like Bakhtiari who does different things and, you know, all tackles kind of have their own way of doing things. But, you know, I just think like one of the more interesting things about your technique is um, kind of how you use, one of your hands to kind of, you know, I call it like a flash technique or, you know, baiting a rusher or whatever, where you kind of stick your hand out and try to get them to react. And, and then as yeah, soon as they yeah. do, you kind of come around and try to wrap them up in a sense and, you know, get inside their shoulder pads there. Like, is that something that, you know, that you just kind of like, or I guess, when did you add that to your game and have you, have, have you always had that to your game? And like, how do you go about adding little, different techniques like that to your game? Is it just from your coaches, other guys around the league or, you know, kind of how is that process for you? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the bait or the flash technique is something that I've really gotten comfortable with probably from, I got comfortable with that probably around 2014. So, I mean, it took me that, that much time to be confident. You know, I did, I would do it in practice and, and, you know, maybe it would work sometimes it, 
you know, it didn't work. And it took me that long from when I was a rookie till 2014 to actually put it into a game. Um, and it was something that was, you know, that, that we talked about, not just the tackles, you know, Bakhtiari and I, but when Cliffy was there, Cliffy would do some things like that. And, um, I would try it in practice. And like I said, it worked sometimes, maybe it didn't. Um, but also coach Campen, uh, you know, we, we would, he would talk about those things like, Hey, why don't you try to flash or why don't you try to bait them or, or do things like that? Um, so when I finally started to put that type of uh, technique into play in, in a game, um, I think it was something that pass rushers hadn't really seen for me before. I mean, just as much as we study um, them, they study us and, and they pick up traits and habits and things that we do. So um, throwing a little wrinkle like that in there, I think, you know, did me a lot of good because I'm, I'm not really a, uh, a puncher, right? A punch for me is a, is a change up. It's not something that I'm going to do all the time because I feel like the rushers these days are too good. If you throw your hands out there all the time, they're going to swat those things down and get away from it, or they're going to grab them and, and use them against you and then things like that. So, um, as a change up, I, I, I will punch, I'll, I'll single hand punch, I'll double hand punch, I'll flash, I'll do things like that. Um, but for me, when, when I do a bait or I flash, I'm, I'm trying to get um, those guys, like you said, to show their hand early. Um, it's something that uh, I really like to study guys that are very active with their hands, you know, guys that use their hands a bunch, you know, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, Daniil Hunter, guys like that that are very good with their hands and they're uh, very precise with them. They can grab your wrists. They can grab your elbows. They're able to chop them down. Uh, those are the guys you want you want them to throw their move early because you know uh, if you let them get close enough and then you and you're reacting late to them to try to throw your hands that they got you um, so you want to try to start that fight with them as early as possible um, and whether that is throwing a one punch out there and trying to connect and knock them off balance or flashing them and uh, letting them show their move early then you're able to kind of come around that their outside hand movement or their chop movement and, and lock into that shoulder pad and slide it into the breastplate um, is something that personally I, I've found to be a great tool. And um, I think a lot of people get, I mean, I've heard a lot. I mean, Dave and I get a lot that, you know, all we do is hold and all we do is that. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't find that to be true because the, the, the rule of holding is when your feet are beat and you're holding on to your man um, for, for me or restricting cloth as your feet are not with your man. We look at it as if we keep our feet in front of our guy, where our hands are does not matter, right? Our hands are there, but if your feet are in front of your man and you are mirroring him and your body is in front of his, my hands, obviously you can't be bear hugging guys because that's obvious. You can't do that. But, if my, if my hands are on his, you know, the cuff of his shoulder pad, but my feet are in front of him, that's not holding. It's just, it's not. Um, obviously, everyone thinks the ideal position is two hands inside, both on the breastplate controlling your man. Well, guess what? These, yeah, these, these defensive linemen don't allow you to do that. All right? These, these guys are really, these guys are really good. Um, so you have to find ways to, to get your hands on cloth and get it on their shoulder pads and, and, and 
slide it into a place where you can control them. And, and whether that starts on the cuff of the shoulder pad and ends up sliding into their breastplate or, or right underneath that, that uh, the V where the pad is to the breastplate, wherever it is, um, you know, got, you have to find ways to win. And to me and to Dave and to a lot of tackles around the league, um, it's a successful way to do it. And it I mean, yeah, you have to be able to punch and you have to be able to separate and do things like that, which again, is part of my game. It's not my um, every rep strategy because I think guys will time that up. Um, but some guys are very good at punching all the time. You look at guys like Teron Smith and, and Peters and, and guys like that, they punch and they punch really well and they do it really well. Um, or guys that, you know, double under and, and wait for a guy to bull rush them and they come underneath the bull rusher's hands. Well, not everyone can get underneath Daniil Hunter. He's got a very long arm. So if he bull rushes you with two arms, it's going to be hard to get any cloth on him. So um, everyone, everyone has their own strategies, but that's just been something that I've found to be beneficial to me, um, you know, probably since 2014. Gotcha. Yeah. That's really fascinating stuff. I love hearing kind of your mind behind uh, technique and, and things of, of that nature. Uh, it's really insightful for sure. And um, now I just want to do something real quick. Like over your career, who do you think had the best get off off the line of scrimmage? Is there a guy that stands out to you just for that? And I'll, I'll do a couple different moves or whatever, like the best spin, the best get off, the best bull rush. I kind of wanted to ask you those. Could you do, do names come to mind for, for those three things? Who the best get off? Um, I'll tell you what. Uh, we had a really good get off. Obviously, I've never played him in a game because he's been on my team. Um, I think Clay Matthews had a hell of a get off because I went against him every day in practice. Um, I thought he had a hell of a get off. Uh, very explosive type player. Um, but if I had to name a guy that wasn't on my team that had the best get off, I mean, I think you're looking at. Um, for me personally, I think Von Miller has a hell of a get off. I think he is, I think he's off. I mean, he is a step and a half up the field, um, before you can even blink. So that's why going against guys like him and, uh, these guys that are very, very quick and, and explosive out of their stance, you have to be, you know, in sync with the, with the cadence and the, and, and the snap count and whether that's home or away, you got to be tuned in. And, uh, I think. I think Von Miller probably t that sticks out to me right now is, has that. What about uh, Bull Rush? Bull Rush. Oh, man. Um, you know, I, that's part of the game that, you know, I, I, I feel that I try to invite. You know, that's one of those things that um, you want guys, as offensive linemen, you want guys to take you down the middle. Um, it's it's the slowest way to the quarterback unless you're on skates um, is, is going through you. Um, so to me, uh, that's something that, you know, yeah, I've been beat on bull rushes. I've been beat on bull rushes, you know, a bunch, but um, it's not like it's, it's something that guys are trying to avoid, at least me personally. But if I had to pick a guy that really stands out, I, I think, you know, a guy like, Julius Peppers or a guy like Everson Griffin or um, who had a really good bull rush but didn't just put his head down and, and do it was Cliff Averill. 
Plus, Averill had a great bull rush, but his was, you know, a straight arm or a two-arm bull rush. It just wasn't putting his head down and, and uh, burying his head in your chest. I mean, those are the guys that play with great length but are able to two-arm bull rush you from a distance. And then if they start to feel you sit down, they can tug and throw you down out of the way and get a sack. Um, those are those are some guys that I feel whose bull rushes uh, were really good. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I think of another guy like uh, Cam Jordan. I know he has a really good. Oh, oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, he's got, he he's a see he is a great um, thud and shed type of bull rusher. He stuns you and then he's able to work off it right away. Um, if you sit on his bull rush and just continue to sit, 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 he will he'll he'll just pop you very hard and you'll start to lean and then he'll just shed you or swim you or rip and and he'll. I mean, he'll be right past you. So it's those guys that have those good, um, those good get offs, good pop at that first bull rush that you have to be um, very, you know, balanced and and ready to go. Because yes, Cam Jordan could just keep straight power and walk guys back. But if you're sitting on power and and he comes in with that bull and he suds you and he stuns you, and the next thing you know, he's ripping past your outside shoulder and he's got a sack. I mean, those are the things that. I think he does so well. You have to you have to prepare for straight power, but also power to speed or rip or finesse move is what makes a guy like that so special. Yeah, that uh, reminds me of I listened to uh, like a film room thing with uh, Joe Thomas once, and he talked about uh, one of his teammates, Wembley, um, pass rusher, you know, with the Browns. He, I think he went to Florida State. He he uh, he, he was asked like, what do you remember about him and he said that he had like a cement head and he basically would just basically you know convert speed to power and just hit you with that thing and then you know do a quick swim or something like that and he found that to be one of the hardest things that he ever had to deal with in his career and I know there's guys like that out there and that was the first guy that came to mind was Cam Jordan who uh seems like he has a lot of success uh just stunning guys like that so I can imagine no no doubt Yeah. yeah no doubt yeah, for sure. And maybe uh, just one more. Like, who do you think uh, is one of the more underrated guys that you've ever won against? Maybe somebody that you know a lot of people don't talk about or haven't talked about. Uh, I'll. I mean, the first thing, the first thing that comes to mind. I didn't have to think about this. Is is Cameron Wake? Uh, I think Cameron Wake um, is a tremendous football player. Um, very underrated. Uh, very, you know, didn't get all the media attention because, you know, obviously he was in Miami. They didn't win a bunch of games when he was there. Um, but I think if you look back at his statistics, guy was getting 10 plus sacks a year for a long time straight. I mean, he, he has a hundred sacks. A, yeah. Yeah. Very successful pass rusher. Uh, I know for a fact that I think he has, I think he has three and a half sacks on me alone. I can, oh. I can, yeah, he got two against me as a rookie. And then he got, I think, another one and a half on me um, when we went out to Miami in 2014. Um, he is a very good pass rusher, and he has great bend. He has great hands. I mean, his move is just kind of – it's like a rip to a pull, and, like, he squares his body up to the quarterback, and he's able to grab your outside pad and just pull himself through. But as he pulls himself through, he's just kind of – 
he's gaining momentum straight to the quarterback. He's not pulling himself through upfield. He's pulling himself through directly to the quarterback, um, which, you know, there's no time for you to try to recover and push him upfield. His, his hips and body are already going square towards the quarterback. And um, I think he's probably one of the most underrated rushers um, that I've gone against in 10 years, because I don't think people give him enough credit. And, the statistics are there and all that is there, but I, you know, because, you know, he, he didn't win as many games um, with Miami. Uh, I think he gets overlooked a little bit, but I'll tell you this much. I, I do not overlook him because I think he is very good. Yeah. That's such a good one. I, I talk about Cam Wake here and there just because I'm so fascinated by his career because he played in the CFL as well. So, yeah. you know, before he was even a pro, so who knows what his numbers would be with maybe, a little bit more time and I mean he's 38 years old and he's out here still you know in that wide nine alignment freaking flying off the edge he's he's a true like freaking nature yeah. he's incredible he is I mean and the guy is I mean like you said he's 38 years old and he's I mean the dude is shredded he's absolutely shredded he's you know and, and he's and he's got a great motor he goes and he goes and he goes and, and to me he is a a really good a really, really good player. Yeah, yeah, and, and crazy. He had like a forty-five inch vert or something like that, which is. <laughs> yeah, I'm unreal. not shocked. I'm just not yeah, shocked. Unreal. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But all right, man. Well, I don't want to take more of your time. I really appreciate you being generous with it and just uh, you know the conversation and and everything. I know people are going to enjoy this and. Um, yeah, I mean, best of luck this year in Los Angeles, and uh, maybe we could do this again sometime, uh, maybe, you know, after the season or something. Oh, yeah, no problem. Be my pleasure. No problem at all. I've had a great time doing it. I'm always willing to talk offensive line play. I think it's something that um, a lot of people overlook and think it's as simple as staying in front of a guy. And unfortunately it's not that simple. Um, there, there's a lot of um, nuances to it. There's a lot of different ways to do it and be successful. There's not one cookie cutter way. Um, and I think that's what makes offensive line play so uh, fun to watch and study and, and, and learn from because there's so many good players in the NFL and they all do it a different way. Not every guy's the same. Um, and that's, and that, to me, you know, shows, you know, not only the talent level up front in, in the NFL, because obviously um, there are very good players and, and guys that do things at a high level, but it shows you how different the position is from any other position. Um, you know, receivers running routes, you know, the best guys, yeah, they all have a little shake to them, Devontae Adams and Julio Jones and um, – you know, Hopkins, all these guys do little things different, but, you know, uh, a 10-yard in is a 10-yard in. Um, how I pass block, how Teron Smith pass blocks, to how Mitch Schwartz pass blocks, to Lane Johnson, to Bakhtiari, it's different, right? N none of us look the same when we do it. Um, but you can be successful at it and, and have a lot of success at it, which I think um, is fascinating about the position is that, Nobody's the same, but you can still do it at a high level, and, and, and it's fun to watch and study. 
Yeah, and I mean, you're certainly one of one of the better guys to do it. I mean, uh, 124 career starts, including the playoffs and counting. So hopefully, you can add a lot more to that and maybe get a Pro Bowl or an All Pro here uh, next season, next season or two. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, it would be cool. It would be cool, and and we'll see. I mean, it's uh, you know, I don't vote on those things, and you know, it's it's. I just try to go out and do my job to the highest. Uh, to the highest level and what happens is what's going to happen and uh, you know I'm just looking to help my team win ball games keep quarterbacks upright and give running backs uh, some room to run so as long as I do that whatever gets voted on at the end of the year is what it is all right everybody well I hope you enjoyed that interview with Brian Bulaga I'm going to have another really good guest on next week probably another NFL offensive lineman and yeah, we're just going to get this thing back up and running, and I hope you guys uh, stick with me uh, throughout the off season. and hopefully we have a, a season that starts on time and everything, but if not, throughout the summer and everything, I'm going to be doing these shows and hopefully bringing you a lot of really insightful material and guests. So, yeah, again, thank you for checking out this podcast. Please rate and review it, subscribe, and I really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks.